I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Kime Report wherever you get your podcast. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you know that drill. Like button, subscribe button, let's keep rolling. If you want to find us there, it's on Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. There you go. Before I get to my practice report for Monday, August 8th, one little quick note, because this has been a thing that's been happening, apparently. If you hear this podcast on somebody else's YouTube channel, please let me know because it's been happening and it's wrong. This is not something that's, there's a, you can't do that. So if you're hearing me, if you're hearing me on there, please let me know. And if you're using my voice on there, you do not have my permission to do so. Um, Thank you very much. Anyway, let's get to the practice report for Monday, August 8th. And one of the big, the nice things for Washington today was that John Bates returned. First of all, no full pads. As far as Bates' return, comes back from a left calf issue that kept him out for about 10 days or so, but it was a good thing for them to see him back in there as a blocker, especially. Logan Thomas still out. Ron Rivera said after practice that so far he's looking good, but there's no we don't know the timetable yet for him. I was always told that mid-August is when they'd have a better feel for him, and then you still have Cole Turner out with his hamstring issue. I was told that it's not serious, but it's something that you, you have to make sure with the soft tissue injuries, as we have seen. That they, that they are healed before you get them back out there and risk losing somebody like that for several more weeks, if not more, if you go out there and re-injure it. So I think they're going to be very cautious with him as well. Abundance of caution, as they say. Anyway, but it was good to see John Bates back out there for the commanders. And one play in particular shows why. And again, his prowess as a blocker. He is their best blocker. So there was one play, run, one run play in the full team work. He got limited full team work, but in this play, He was matched up against Montez Sweat. Good matchup to watch, right? So on this play, he was able to, Sweat comes up field, but Bates was able to get his feet and get instant control of of Sweat and then use his strength to move him and then turn him, turn him out of the way. And he moved him out of that hole, did not not throw him to the ground, but certainly wrestle him out of the way. And you could see Sweat kind of leaning off balance, almost falling, almost fading, falling to his right a little bit. A nice, listen, Sweat's had a good camp but it was a good block by John Bates. And it's why he's important to keep on that, to have them, uh, to have him on that field. The other, the other guy, the other tight end I want to talk about is Armani Rogers. Curtis Hodges, an undrafted free agent tight end was not practicing today, but Rogers was out there and he's taking advantage of his opportunities. Ron Rivera said afterwards about Rogers that there are times where the routes just aren't there. They're not consistent. And he, you know, we, I have already told you about some blocking um, issues that he may have to clean up with his strength or whatever. I've seen him getting knocked back, knocked to the ground a couple of times. See him being willing, but sometimes it's got to, you have to be more than just willing. You have to succeed. But what I know is he runs well, he's athletic, and they like him. He's a guy that's certainly worth keeping around to see how he develops, if nothing else. 
but he made a couple plays in practice today where one was over linebacker Kalik Hudson, one was over another linebacker, another backup linebacker, and just throws up high. He's tall, able to get over the linebacker, nice throw. Rivera did say on some routes where it's like, we might see that 10 to 15-yard catch, nice catch. They might see maybe if he runs a route a little bit differently, it's a bigger play. And that's one thing. One thing is I'm, I'm always like, we have to be so results-oriented because that's all we can go on. We're not watching practice film. You don't have access to that. I do remember once back in the day, sitting down and watching film with Al Saunders. And there was a play by Jason Campbell in a preseason game that we went over. He's like, so what I see on that play is a 48-yard completion out of his own end zone. Nice. You get out of your own end zone, 48 yards. Who, who doesn't want that? What he saw was a wasted opportunity because Campbell took too long to throw the ball in this particular play. He said that play should have been a touchdown. So we see 48 yards. Nice job. They see should have been a touchdown if you throw it on time and in rhythm. I'm not saying that Rogers would have, but the point is that that's how coaches a lot of times look at it. We see results. They're going to go back and look and see, did he do this right? How was the route? You know, because consistency wins in the end. But having said that, Rodgers has looked good. And for a guy who's converting to the tight end position after playing quarterback in college, athletic, runs well. And I think he's a guy worth watching in the preseason. Where does he go from here? Let's go to, to the quarterbacks. And I bring those up because William Jackson wasn't out there again today. Um, and I, I'm going to point this out because I was curious to see who goes in there now that he's out. Well, it was Danny Johnson came in as the third cornerback. And that just, just to give you a little bit of a where do the, the back of corner stand at this point, well, Johnson went in there. It was First of all, it was Benjamin St. Juice and Kendall Fuller. And then when they needed a third corner, Johnson went in there. He can play inside. He can play outside. I think that competition is interesting because Christian Holmes has had a nice camp. Horn Elder has had a nice camp. But Johnson is very consistent and has gotten better over the years. And I think that's what gives him an edge. It's conceivable all three corners make the roster. That would give him six. But it's also possible that those three are fighting for two spots. We'll see. But what I know is Johnson went in there first. The other thing is Kendall Fuller having an outstanding camp. And I think I've pointed that out before, probably his best camp since that he's, since he's come back, maybe since he's been here, he's looked that solid. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a budding pro bowler or all pro. I know he's been very solid. Fuller is a very smart player. And you can see that with his positioning on the play and, and how he reads routes. One of the things I always liked before he was traded several years ago was talking to him after he'd make a big play, like wait till like maybe a Wednesday or something like that, where you can get a better, longer interview with them to go over, what did you see on this play? He was always able to tell me in detail what he saw, why he broke on that play, and why he broke at that particular time. And I love guys like that. But it's for him, it starts with film study. Anyway, there was one today where he's sit, sitting in zone coverage. McLaurin runs about a 15, 16-yard out, something like that. Um, and Fuller just sat, breaks in, breaks in there, breaks up the play. The ball, there was no opening for McLaurin. But a lot of that comes back to, to Fuller. I will say, I'll bring up another guy in a minute who did get Fuller on one, wasn't completed. I want to get to the wide receiver pass routes. And the pa let me say this, the passing game in general, because so much is being put on Carson Wentz. Passing game is more than just the quarterback, obviously. He's making the money. He's the big name. He's got to produce. We know that. There's inconsistencies to his game and have been for the last several years. We know that too. But it's going to take more than just him. And I... And it's going to take, to me, the, the receiver routes have to be more consistent at times because that's part of the equation, just part, not all, part. 
But sometimes like I'll wa- I'll go back and watch the receivers run routes on air. And you might see, for example, um, in the Saturday practice, I'm watching McCorn run a route and he's breaking, he snapped, he breaks, breaks at the 40 angles up to about the 44, 45 yard line. And then kind of an angle, right. That's where he gets the ball. Well, later, I, couple of plays later on the same route, Cam Sims runs it and he's cutting off at a different spot and he's, he's more f- running it more flat. Well, if you're the quarterback, you want the same look, but they're not getting it all the time. And sometimes like I saw it out there again today in practice where you might see a receiver at six, you know, maybe one's turning at nine yards. The other ones are turning at seven. They're the ones being praised for where they're turning. So they've got to, that, that that overall, that group has to get more consistent with it. Forget for Carson Wentz, just for anybody. But I also say, if they're doing that, you've got to correct that even harsher because if they're still doing it, and I'm not saying it's all wild all over the place. I'm just saying that at times you will see that. And at times in games, you're not always going to run the same routes. Listen, when Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon were here, there were times where I talked to guys say, well, Deshaun is somewhat inconsistent on these particular routes. So they weren't always sure when to throw the ball to him because they weren't sure where he was going to break. Now he'd get open, but they weren't sure at what point. And whereas like with Garcon, they sometimes they trusted him more because there was one particular route where it asked the receivers to cut it eight yards. Well, Garcon never cut it eight yards, but he cut it at the same point every time. So they grew to trust him on this particular route. That happens over time. We're not there yet with Wentz and the receivers. And again, some of that's going to be on Wentz. Some of that's going to be on the route running. McLaurin admitted this after one of the early days, like, hey, he breaks too quick on this one particular route and it leads to throws being behind him. And so that has to get cleaned up. That's on both those guys to get it cleaned up, though. That's on the once pulling a guy aside and they talk about it, or you go rep it, rep it, rep it some more during breaks or, or after practice, maybe before practice, because they have to be on that same page. Again, I'm not saying this is a huge issue. I'm just saying I think some of these things are more nuanced than was Carson on target on that throw or not? Why was it? Some of it's going to be on him, as I've always said. You watch him on air, and sometimes you see he's throwing it high and then throwing it on target. Why is it up and down for him in those situations? There's no pressure. You've got to get it. You've got to get that right. When there is pressure, he's going to be more inaccurate. Sometimes his base gets too wide or so, then it's going to lead to a sailed throw. That he's got to get better with that, and I don't know that he will. So this line has to do a good job protecting him. All this stuff works hand in hand. And so that's why I say, like, I'm not going to absolve Wentz of anything, but I don't think it's as simple. I, and again, it's not like this has been horrible, um, but I think you, when you hear things, you've got to put things in some perspective as to the nuance of playing this game because it's all, it can be one day it could be this, next day it can, it can be that. The results may look the same, but the issue may be different. They've got to get that. That's what they have to still get worked out on. And that's where I'm curious to see. Where, how does that progress? Wentz is who he is. I think, I think I would just say that. So they, but they have to, the passing game has to continue to improve because it's not consistent yet. And like, where does it go? Where we know what it looks like on August 8th. What does it look like on the 15th? What does it look like, you know, going into the first game? What does it look like early in the season? It has to keep progressing for this team to make it work. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. One guy I did want to talk about, though, too, is Dax Milne. I think he's a really good route runner, and he has a good chance to be that sixth receiver because they like his route running. He can play multiple spots, but he's also a kick and punt returner. If they can keep him as a sixth returner, or excuse me, a sixth receiver, it gives them the ability to not keep seven and keep one guy as a as a returner like they did with DeAndre Carter last year, but then it allows them to maybe keep an extra guy at another spot, whether tight end, running back, um, uh, defensive line, wherever. So that's one thing he does. He had a, two really nice routes today. One where he did, breaks on an out route, deep out, where kind of starts to get inside the, to the defense back, cuts back outside, open. Also threw a nice little move down the field against Kendall Fuller. Did get open on that one by about a yard or so. Ball was overthrown. So, but but Milne has done a nice job in that area if he makes a roster. And I think I would have him on there right now. But I think the separator for him is good route runner can also return both punts and kickoffs. And then the, the other thing I want to point out too, one of the things um, people ask me about Sam Howell a lot, like how's he looking? One of the clues is they cut Cole Kelly the other day because you don't need four corner quarterbacks at this point in camp. So that's a good sign, obviously, for Howell. I always felt like he'd be the third quarterback because I knew that they liked him before the draft and I knew how much they liked him before the draft. And in camp, you see enough. He, I think he throws a nice catchable ball. That's good. Um, I think one of the things is he's a shorter quarterback in that pocket. I think he's going to have to overcome that just like Taylor Heineke's had to overcome that other guys. Um, but I think that's something that, you know, you pay attention to. How does that progress for him? And there are times, you know, he, there is, there's a big gap between Heineke and Sam Howell, by the way. So don't envision him winning that job. He's going to be the third quarterback this year. If he's playing, it's because there are injuries to others. One of the differences between Heineke and Howell and then Carson Wentz is that height difference. And I'm going to point out one play that I pointed out the other day in the podcast, which was a little, um, it was on the play in the practice where Wentz looks to his left, starts to throw the ball, brings it down because Kendall Fuller jumps the route, would have picked it off or broken it up. And he quickly turns and hits Armani Rogers um, on the right, probably in the right hash or so, but on the other side of the field. But the whole reason he could do that, he can scan the field. He's got the sized, he's got the height to look over the line, scan the field, get to Rogers. One of the things that they'll tell you, like with a guy, a shorter quarterback, like a Heineke or a Howell, they might get back there, but it's a little, because it's a harder for them to see over that line that you may not see that as fast as Winston in that play. Just one little thing where the height does matter. Two more things. Two, uh, two, yeah, two more things here, folks. Jamin Davis talked to us after practice. One of the things he said is that he feels 10 times more comfortable on the field. He feels more like himself. We'll see where that goes. Um, he's, one of the things I think they're discovering is that he probably plays better closer to the line of scrimmage, give him a chance to just kind of react and go get it. It's a little bit more like what he would do at Kentucky as far as just go get it. Um, but you can't always play your guys that close because you're going to have different packages. But I think that's something that I'd be curious to see. Would they put him that more close to the line, a little bit close to the line to help him? Maybe. 
Um, but the other, the area where he's, where he does excel, where he needs to excel is in coverage. And, but we knew that coming out. I mean, we need to see, it's hard to see out here how the linebackers are truly doing because, you know, we're not, again, not seeing the practice when you're not, unless you're watching them know the gap he's supposed to be at a particular play, it's really difficult to get a full gauge. So I'm going to leave that up to others who know that position better, who can tell us where that, where he's at. But in coverage, you can see it. He's, he does a nice job. They talk about sinking your hips and it allows him to react quick to a guy like J.D. McKissick on maybe a quick twitch play and, and not get completely thrown off and maybe prevent a certain play because of that or at least prevent a long gain because of that. That's something that I think he does pretty well. Finally, one of the reasons why they signed Nate Jerry, the linebacker, who last played with Philly two years ago, was because he could run in cover. I think the way David Mayo has played the running camp gives them confidence that as a backup, he could help them in that role if necessary. So what they wanted was another guy who could run and cover, and that's Jerry. I kept telling you about A.J. Klein and John Bostic, and I think they still had had interest in them. I don't know that they have any anymore, but they definitely had interest in them because they both knew the defense, and I think they want to see where does the what does the run D look like um, and how does Cole Holcomb handle that middle role as far as communicating identifying, et cetera. So, but that's why Nate Jerry's here. He can run, he can cover, he can help them on special teams. So there you go. That is the practice report for Monday, August 8th. I'll be back with another one on Tuesday. Talk to you next time.